ladies and gentlemen of the tiny, stupidly hot room here at Cabaret Voltaire, please welcome your friend, John Hastings, everybody! Festival. The audience is here. They are unsure of their decision. <laughs> they are giving me confused looks. Two men laughing, but silently, which is confusing at best. Uh, it's been a big day for me. It was my tourist day uh, of the festival. My dad and brother are here at the back, so I took them up uh, to the castle and started discussing history uh, with my 14-year-old brother. Now, here's the thing. How old are you, brother? Uh, 52. 52. Is that true? Because you said that in the words. <laughs> 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 uh, 52. 21. 52. 52, really? 52. You look very good for 52. Thank you. And where are you from? Scotland, yeah. Scotland, that's impressive because yeah. you guys age <laughs> rapidly. Um, 52. And what would you say your politics were in your youth? Didn't really follow politics. Didn't really follow politics. He was just too busy too. applying moisturizer to your skin, eating green vegetables yeah. to maintain the integrity of your cells. <laughs> Looking like, young. Pardon me? <laughs> Looking young, yeah. Looking young. It's, it's shocking because you guys look about the same age. That's my son. <laughs> Is that actually your son? <laughs> Shut up! How old are you, brother? I'm 30. You're 30? Taken after your mother, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> not, not to be insulting, but there is no way. So you had him when you were 22? Yeah. You must have looked like a fetus. <laughs> that's spectacular, because that's my dad. And who knows how old he is? <laughs> the answer is very old. He, he's a little sensitive about his age, and because my family is compassionate, uh, my brother and I constantly ask him questions that are rude. Such as, what was it like when the telephone was invented? And what makes it even funnier is that he goes, I wasn't alive when the telephone was invented. Like, yeah, but you do remember. And then he would then kind of feed him, be like, but we did have a party line at the cottage. I was like, aha! It's pretty great. Now, uh, here's the thing. So when you were, when you were younger, you're 30 now. So politically, where, where would you say you're on the spectrum, if you had to guess? Could be better left. A little bit to the left, yeah. You're young, spirit. My brother was 14. And he's essentially a fascist. <laughs> it's insane. They're not racist in any way, but literally just like, give me a gun, I will sort out the world's problems. And it's terrifying because he is in, he's right there, look at him smiling as well. What's wrong with you lefty Europeans with all your, your hugs and nonsense? Like, we were literally walking here and he was like, let me tell you the problem with the French. And I'm like, you're 14! And he's quoting stats from World War II. And I was like, you. You haven't even gotten to that in school yet! What are you talking about? I said, here's the problem with the French. They immediately sided with the Germans as soon as they took Paris. And I was like, I don't think they did! But I don't know enough about this to believe it. Look, he's literally just nodding along, right? I was right. You were not right! <laughs> I was! This is why Trump got elected! Um, even though he doesn't... Thank you, it is true. And my dad, of course, not getting engaged uh, in the argument, just backpedals. Was the French resistance? Yes, thank you. I don't think I didn't fucking bring that up. And that, by the way, was ignored completely. Just, no, that didn't happen. No, no, that's not true at all. I acknowledge the French. I... Exactly. <laughs> it's like arguing with an alt-right troll, but he's a huge 14. He's like, I acknowledge the French. They're bad and I don't care for them. It's insane, right? <laughs> See, now he doesn't want to argue because he feels like he's going to lose. <laughs> um, well, it, it was just, it's an amazing insight because I've never, I've never shown Edinburgh to a youth before. And Scotland's weird. Like, what do you think of Scotland so far? It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. It's hey. not, yeah. That's <laughs> how you can find a job. Like, yeah, it fucking is. You fucking tell them back home. Yeah. And, and where in Scotland are you from, by the way? Uh, 
Uh, Blue Gary. What the hell was that, brother? <laughs> Near Perth. Near uh, Perth. Yeah, north, been, north of Perth. I was in Perth. Yeah. Now, is there a tire fire or is that just the smell of your town? <laughs> <laughs> no, not that. No, not no, no, no. All right, Colin. So, uh, Scotland is, is two cities, uh, Edinburgh and Glasgow, and they right. hate each other. Uh, and it's very weird because they're 45 minutes away. Uh, and so that's a tough feud to keep going when you can see each other's city limits. It's, yeah, oh, yeah, Glasgow, screw you, you guys. You put the Mars bar in the deep-fried batter, and then you deep-fried while here in Edinburgh. We do it exactly the same, but we're not smiling. Like, it's the most bizarre weird thing. And it's a big UK thing. Like, being Canadian, there's feuds between cities, usually over hockey teams. Like, there's Montreal and Toronto. The city I'm from, Ottawa, pretends to be part of that, but the hockey team is so bad that it's not really a feud. It's more just like, oh, that... Just the other feud. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, we're a team. Guys, we're here, too. It's sort of like, there's like... Glasgow Celtic, Glasgow Rangers, and then occasionally like the Hibernians uh, and the Jammen, yeah, Hearts. Jambos, yeah. The Jammen. The Jammen. Let me tell you, I did, I did, Jam Tarts. Yeah, the Jam Tarts. Listen, I I did a corporate gig for uh, for the Jammen uh, this year. First of all, they do not think it's funny when you call them the Jammen at all, especially when they've paid a significant sum of money to have you perform. Now, are you a Hibs or a Jammen? No. Celtic Ranger. Shoe store. St. Johnson. St. Johnson. Did you just make up a football team? <laughs> that sounds like a hospital, brother. Although, that uh, would be Perth weird. Saints, no. Perth Pardon Saints. me? Perth Saints. Perth Saints. Yeah. See, that sounds like a cool team. Well, St. Johnson, yeah. Got halos made out of a burning tire <laughs> walking onto the field. And what's your trick? Also, Dundee United. Dundee United. Yeah. Dundee has never been united. <laughs> no. No. See, that was a funny joke, and I like your guys' reaction. Going, uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um... But so I did this corporate. You have thing. Dundee and Dundee United as well. Dundee and Dundee. Almost rival. How big is Dundee? <laughs> That's too small of a city to have a sports rivalry. <laughs> Only in the UK. It's where? What bit are you from? Over there. Ah! Screw over there. You should be over here. Over there with your off license. You should be over here with houses. It's just insane. Like you yeah. have. Your stadiums are next door. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Same street. Yeah. You can't have a from the same street. It's just so stupid. Do they have to play on different days or there's fights? Yeah, yeah. It's ludicrous. So, Cullen, you live in Calgary. Yeah. Have the Calgary Flames ever feuded with the Rodeo Cowboys? The what? There's the Calgary <laughs> Flames Stadium. It's called the Saddle Dome. It's next to where Calgary holds a rodeo every year called oh, the yeah. Calgary Stampede. Now, they would never fight each other, although that said, I don't want to see yeah. football fans fight each other, but hockey players v. Cowboys, yeah. you can sell tickets to that for years. Imagine the different events, like with skates on, without skates, they get a bull rope. Hockey players have to dress like cowboys, cowboys get a hockey stick. Now that, I'm bringing that to the fringe next year, and I'm going to make a million quid. Hockey players v. Cowboys, it's going to star Nicholas Parsons and Jeremy Paxman. <laughs> Because I think I could probably afford Jeremy Paxman at this point because he is getting very bad. I like Jeremy Paxman, but this last election, uh, I don't know if you guys watched the Channel 4 election oh, coverage, but it was it was literally just Jeremy Paxman. And, okay, so Jeremy Paxman, Cullen, is like Britain's Peter Mansbridge. But imagine Peter Mansbridge just woke up on the wrong side of the bed and he's very flustered by stupid people. But he's it always sounds like he's talking down to everyone. Like he could be talking to, like, like he could be talking to... Uh, uh, like who? He could be talking to um, who's the king of the Buddhists? Oh, uh, what's his name? Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama. Thank you very much. Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you. Hey, I distraught. He is the king of the Buddhists. I understand it's a little dismissive, but that is what his specific job title is. And he's not the king of all the Buddhists, by the way. I have a friend who's a Buddhist, and I was like, what's with the Dalai Lama? And she was like, oh, don't get me started on them. And I was like, I'd just like to see that there's even division in the religion that is just all about peaceness. It's very funny to be like, listen, we're all about spiritual calmness, except when we're talking about a guy in robes, and that guy can go fuck himself. Now, um, so, okay, if Jeremy Paxman is talking to the Dalai Lama, and they're talking about Buddhism, which the Dalai Lama is the king of, Jeremy Paxman's question would be like, um, so you claim to be the Dalai Lama, and yet no one has ever sung the song Hello Dolly about you. Comment. And then the Dalai Lama would be like, that song isn't written about Buddhism, how dare you? And he goes, I know more about songs than you. And then there'd be an awkward pause, and then a Newsnight special about Jeremy Paxman talking to the Dalai Lama, which I would watch, because there's something about an English person being passive-aggressive that I cannot stop enjoying. I understand you guys being Scottish, you're probably a little sick of it, but as a Canadian, it's like meeting a celebrity. When you see a British person say to a pigeon, I don't think you know where you're walking, it's like meeting the Queen every day. I, um, and so it's, I took him up to uh, Edinburgh Castle. Now, Colin, you're into, what, what is it again? Air Cadets? Yeah. Air cadets. And so he was telling me about a uh, helicopter, and we were walking over, and it said, uh, they're, did you know that Britain had an aircraft carrier? They have one. Yeah. See, did you know about this? Did you know about this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, thank you for shaking. Okay, who knew, show of hands, Britain had an aircraft carrier? Show of hands who didn't. We need to stop reading The Guardian, guys. We need to pick up other newspapers, because if you show that was definitely an age divide for the most part. Certain people are aware of Britain's military might, and other people are like, they have what now? Like, what, what, why does Britain have an aircraft carrier? I'm asking you, sir, because you seem like a professor. Carry planes. Carry planes. Uh, I was going to go any planes at the moment. Yeah. Got, got a pretty early point right that response, didn't you, brother? What is your name, my man? Dave. Dave. You look like the like a Dave. Kind of guy who can't drink a pat or drink a I fucked that joke up spectacularly. <laughs> I was gonna say you don't look like the kind of guy who can build a patio, but fuck, you'll drink on one. Now, Dave, what do you do for a living? Um oh, good question. <laughs> it is a good question, that's why I asked it and then you got very nervous all of a sudden, which is interesting. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Answer the question. Uh, Dave, if you don't, I'm going to ask the, the person you came here with, and I feel like she's chopping at the bit to give the answer. <laughs> Madam, what I, does Dave do for... Oh, okay, here you go, Dave. I, I put on clubs. You put on clubs? Hey, like you're a club promoter? Yeah. All right, let's get into this. <laughs> what kind of club promotion do you do? Techno. What? Techno? Don't judge me just because I'm from North America and think music involves instruments and not a guy going beep bop beep bop bop, but I don't like techno. I've been taken to many a rave where I stood in the corner and complained about the music not being Slayer. Um, I saw the t-shirt. Listen, you wear it on your sleeve. I totally appreciate techno. I understand it. I've gotten into many an argument with friends of mine who love it, and it always breaks down to they were on illegal drugs, and that's why they enjoyed it. Now, I'm sure that's not something you promote because you're a club promoter and you're well within the law. Who is the biggest dick you've ever met in techno music? All right, before you answer, let's all just see. I'm going to guess European, possibly from Germany. Mm. I don't think I've met that big, 
I'd have to come you back are to By the way, you're clearly a club promoter because you're answering that in the most perfect man who works in the administration of events <laughs> way. Who's a big dick and you're like, I have the answer, but I want to pay him. <laughs> and I want to pay him on the sweetheart rate and I don't want this to be recorded. So I'm not going to give the answer. But Because listen, I'm a, I'm a comedian. I've dealt with your kind. Who's the biggest dick you've met on the comedy stuff? I will fucking tell you in a goddamn second. Okay. <laughs> Hang on. I'm just going to save my career here. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm not going to tell you who's a big dick because everyone in show business is really nice. Right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> Don't laugh. Do not laugh. Do not laugh. Uh, Russell Peters is the, 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 night, the nicest. Russell Peters is the biggest comedian in the world. He sells out stadiums in every corner of the planet where he goes. He's absolutely massive and literally the nicest human being I've ever met. I was at an uh, uh, after party at the Montreal Comedy Festival where he was DJing. Huh? It's just he likes techno. He's one of those people. You you see people reach a certain level of celebrity, and then they just get to do their uh, hobby uh, wherever they are in public. That's why I want to become really famous. So at parties, they're gonna let me play with Legos just to really off-put people. Well, this is a really fun party, and I'm just putting together a spaceship. No, no eye contact. No eye contact. My brother will be there. He'll have an AK-47, just pointed at a French guy, screaming, "This is for the Champs Elysees!" Open fire and scream, "Die!" And then jump out a window. Um, it's weird. You were born before Princess Diana died. Oh, God, I feel like an ancient ghost. You were born in 2003. You were born after 9-11, which really makes me question my father's decisions now that I think about it and did some math. Anyway, that was a bit of a creepy interlude. Let's not go any further down that road. That's actually them. Stop looking at your hands, Scottish person. We're confronting emotions today, and not just the two Scotland has, which is calm or angry. <laughs> we are going to get to Dundee in a second, Father. Thank you. Uh, and so Russell Peters, nicest man I've ever seen. I was walking uh, through an after party. He was DJ, and we have a mutual friend, my buddy Ron. Ron, by the way, funnest guy to be in society with. Ron, for his entire youth, up until sort of he was 31, he was a uh, mixed martial arts fighter and would go down to LA and would get into uh, backyard brawls before MMA was really popular. How they would do it is just people from uh, the Philippines and people from Brazil would fight each other in the backyards of East LA. Uh. He bought a house off of it, not uh. legally, but uh. still owns the house. He's a great guy. But if you mess with him, it's once we were in a bar and someone uh, was being a bit forward with his girlfriend, and just, could you stand up for a second? I'll just show you. Well, this is all he did, and it was that he just grabbed the guy by the elbow and did something, and the guy literally just got down on his knees and went, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry, and he went, yeah, 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 I think he would be. And then he booted the emergency exit and put him outside like a baby being put to bed, went, shh, and then closed the door. You can sit down, but I really like I really like it. You're a man who follows orders, I like it. How very Dundee of you. Huh? Brought it back to ask. Now, where, um, what do you do in Dundee? I love in Edinburgh. You live in Edinburgh. You don't have the Edinburgh vibe, which is, you know, you're treating me like a human being and like gum on your shoe. I'm not from here. Though. You're not from here. I really appreciate it. Edinburgh has this weird thing where they think that God is from Edinburgh. He's clearly not. He's from Canada. How else do you explain the beard? That's all I'm saying. Now, um, why do you think Edinburgh people are so stuck up? I don't know. It's like... Too much money, maybe just it's a spread, it's spread into them. That's what I've because they've got a castle. Yeah. What was that, brother? Because they've got a castle. Because they've got a castle, is that why? Where are you from? Glasgow, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> they have a castle <laughs> only in Glasgow. Okay, a building that was built 
hundreds and hundreds of years. You emperor, dicks with your castle. Uh, you come to Glasgow. <laughs> you have a tenement. Uh, I, do you still live in Glasgow, or do you live here? No, I'm I'm a day tripper. You're day tripper? Yeah. There was nothing. The best show at the Fringe, by the way, is the last train going back to Glasgow from Edinburgh during the festival. Oh boy, my uh, my uncle John is a diplomat. He's lived all over the world. He's lived in Africa, Cuba. He has dealt with paramilitaries. He has seen some stuff. Last year, he took that train once, and he said to me, "Never again." By the way, this is a man who once got on an airplane, and the pilot was visibly drunk, and he was like, "Listen, he didn't know how to fly." That train trip broke, and I said, "What happened?" He went. There was a woman throwing up just on the floor, but then she took gum out of her mouth and put that in the bin, and I was like, it's just, it's no man's land out there. It's the most insane, because I don't, because in Glasgow people, you have this thing where it's like, if you come to Edinburgh, it's like, best behavior. Everybody, like, I don't know if there's a meeting in the train station. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going behind enemy lines. They think we are going there to be drunken lunatics and fight. This is not Saki Hall Street after 11. We are going to Princess Street. You will window shop. You will attend no more than four shows. You will not heckle. You will eat one hamburger. You will consume your weight in whiskey and beer. You will get back on the train. And only then will you let loose. Does everyone understand me? I, pal, everyone, place orange cones on your head and pledge allegiance to the Queen of Scotland. Uh... Billy Connolly. <laughs> Who would the Queen of Scotland be? I would say Billy Connolly. Lulu. 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 This has been shouted at me before. Who is Lulu, and why doesn't she have a last name? That's a show name. Yeah, but it's... Oh, you make me wanna shout. That's who sings. Yeah. It's a very yeah. old song for her. Oh, she's old. She's from the sixties. Is she one of those many Scottish celebrities who is somehow still alive? Yeah, uh, yeah. She, she was I good. Yeah, I'm I sure she, she was dead. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like you and I are just we're we're, we're from the same root because we both look older than we are. And we both thought Lulu was dead. Also, how Sean Connery is still alive astounds me every day. Also, no Scottish person sounds like that because he's from where? He's from Edinburgh. He's from Edinburgh. Well, of course. But he was James Bond. I understand he was James Bond, but he was not the good James Bond. We all know the best James Bond was Roger Moore. Yes, yes he was. On. How dare you? When did Sean Connery uh, wear a onesie and look like a badass? Excuse me. Excuse me, did Sean Connery ever go to space? No. Did Sean Connery ever put on a Panama suit that for some reason also could bring pants and then shoot a voodoo lord? Neither once. When ever was Sean Connery legitimately 70 years old and for some reason dating a 20-year-old in the movie who had really deep blue eyes and that entire movie makes no sense? It's called View to a Kill. You gotta watch it with the context of time. The first half, inexplicably about horse racing. And then... Christian, Grace Jones. Uh, with who? Grace Jones. Grace Jones is the, the devil. Butterfly. Yeah, yeah, she's the evil butterfly. And then for some reason they're in Paris, where half a car gets cut off because it gets hit by another car. French people, am I right, Cullen? And then, and then for no reason at all, they're shooting nerve gas over San Francisco, and his solution is to get in a hot air balloon and jump around. Is he dressed appropriately for the weather of San Francisco? Absolutely not baby blue onesie throughout most of it, shoots a shotgun at a fire engine, and another time uh, races a police car over the Golden Gate Bridge, which in the movie for some reason is a Cavalier Bridge that opens for boats. That's not true at all! Oh, 
Because literally, this is how it's say, like, Sean Connery and James Bond are like, you're a cool spy out there fighting the Soviet Union. And he's like, very good, and I will have a Baroque accent and not treat women like people. Brilliant shot, very good. And in one, we will for some reason turn you into an Asian guy, and it will not age well as a sequence. <laughs> So, Cullen, there's a movie called... You watched, have you watched that movie? That yeah. is just the most bizarre thing ever. How interestingly shows... I understand. You can, we can disagree on that. I, I'm a little bit older than you, and I have aged with time. Because here's the thing. You can say whatever you like. Roger Moore is clearly the best James Bond. Thank you. Why is Sean Connery the best James Bond, Father? He's not. All day. He's, he's about to. He's Scottish. <laughs> All right, ease it up. Listen. I don't think another Scotsman that thinks Roger Moore's better. Before. You don't think so? Are you the first person? Oh, I am ashamed of myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but wait a minute, because my dad. Uh, let's find out, because you said so. Sean Connery's not the best James Bond. Roger Moore's not the best James no, Bond. he's the worst James Well, no, Timothy Dalton was the worst Timothy James Bond. Yeah, Timothy Dalton absolutely was the worst James Bond, even though he actually had a really good Lays movie. Thank you. George Lazenby is clearly the worst James Bond. Totally. Nobody cares yeah. about that. Hey, he's still a James Bond. We can yeah, throw it on him. One movie. All right, still. So who is the best James Bond father? Daniel Craig's the best James Bond. Daniel Craig is not the James <laughs> <laughs> best James Bond ever. Are you insane? I, I go to James Bond... To, to, to live a fantasy. I don't go to see an emo guy cry in a shower in every... He's a professional murderer, and for some reason, every time he kills someone... I can't believe the weight of the world is on my shoulders once again. <laughs> I signed up to be an accountant for MI6, and yet somehow I have to kill another terrorist. And every, sing every single Daniel Craig James Bond, you see him at least once look in the camera go... This is for the money. And then just he shoots it out. This is for the money. When you compare that with world, when has Daniel Craig skied down a mountain into a submarine that has the Union Jack panted, painted on the manhole? All I'm saying is I would like to see, here's the problem with, new, Christopher Nolan has a lot to answer for. For example, can someone please explain to me the end of that dream movie, which names escapes me right now? Inception. Inception. Uh, what, what happened to movies having endings? There was like a four-year period where every Hollywood movie was, is he dead? Is he a woman? No, he's a snail. And you're just like, what? I came here for a conclusion. I didn't come here to sit through three different endings at the end of the movie. And I like Iron Man as, next, as, as much as the next gal. But if he is in one more movie, I'm just going to stop watching movies and convert totally to just watching, you know, various Netflix programs. Now, here is, uh, is my thing uh, with uh, James Bond specifically. Is it supposed to be fun and light and stupid. Even the Sean Connery ones are ridiculous. I point to the movie Thunderball, where he attends a man's funeral, and then there is a woman, clearly, and then there's a quick cut, and she has a hilarious five o'clock shadow, and then he just punches her in the face, <laughs> and then gets in a jetpack that he, for some reason, has, flies out, down, and then his car that has gadgets, the only gadget it seems to have is a fire hose, and a little shield that protects the glass. It's adorable. And then Roger Moore takes it to the next level with various gadgets, all sorts of stuff in between George Lazenby. By the way, do you know why George Lazenby stopped being James Bond? It's the greatest stupid person answer ever. Why did you stop being James Bond? Uh, I didn't think there was any more stories left to be told about James Bond. You idiot. By the way, George Lazenby, uh, he now goes to comic book conventions. I, uh, one of my roommates in university uh, is the niece of Margot Kidder, Lois Lane. And how Margot Kidder now makes her living is she goes around to comic book conventions and signs things as Margot Kidder. And let me tell you, you think that drugs affected your mind. And when you meet Margot Kidder, you know they definitely have because she sort of thinks she's Lois Lane. And 
and I was talking with her at a uh, at a drinks, and I was, I was like, who are the other sort of celebrities you meet? And she's like, George Lazenby thinks he's James Bond. Like he <laughs> literally will sign he'll sign autographs at a convention, but he'll have them put water in a martini glass. And he'll like stand up and go, shake and not stirred in an Australian accent. And everyone's very uncomfortable with, oh no, it's the not good James Bond that's here. Because listen, like, listen we, all, we all have dreams and think that famous people are amazing and interesting and lead exciting lives. But there was nothing more beautifully sweet than watching the famous people on the way down. And some people do it with amazing dignity and they have a renaissance. I think David Hasselhoff has somehow landed... That man benefited from the Berlin Wall falling more than anyone. Because I didn't believe it. I have a few friends that are German. And David Hasselhoff, five years ago, came and did three shows at the Pleasance Grand. And I went to one of them because my friend Christian was doing a show in this venue. We were, were sitting having a beer. And I said, what are you doing tomorrow? And he said, uh, we're going to see the Hoff. And I was like, what, what do you mean? He was like, David Hasselhoff is here. He'll be singing. We will see it. You will love it. This is amazing. He is a showman. And I was like, he is not. He's like, he is. So we went. It was literally 900 German people, which, if Churchill was still alive, he would be very displeased. And it was 900 German people and me. And literally, what he did is he walked out, didn't even speak English at first. He knew the audience, just walked out and went like, Guten Abend. And then he told half of him, he was like, I was on a television show called Night Rider, right, Kit? And then there was a sound cue of, that's right, Michael. And then just uh. cheers for an hour. I'm just, it was literally like watching a, like it was like a TED talk of a guy giving his own eulogy. Never, I'll never forget when I was the producer of Baywatch After Dark. It was actually a very sweet moment because uh, David Hasselhoff uh, was one of the big pioneers of pay-per-view. He held a pay-per-view concert on the same day that the O.J. Simpson uh, slow car chase through L.A. happened, and he ended up losing like three million dollars. And uh, and, he, and it was he sits, it was very very cynically done. So like it literally goes from like big light white wash on the stage, everyone excited, to a little pinwheel wash on one little stool that you saw Tech clearly put down there and then he and then he sits he sits on the stool and he goes now I'll never I'll never forget when my accountant came and said David you've lost three million dollars how are you going to be able to afford your lifestyle and we're all sitting there going like if you lose three million dollars you still had three million dollars like that's pretty impressive and then he went and with all of your help I was able to do it. And then he sang the song Money by Eddie Money very off key and the Germans went nuts again. Then he told the story from the movie Dodgeball. I don't know if you've seen Dodgeball but he's in it for one second. He just says you guys are a disgrace to German and he, he talked about it like he was the director of the movie. I was in a little movie with it called Dodgeball with Ben. You know when people talk about celebrities and they use the first day? It was like that. Keep in mind by the way leather tuxedo jacket leather trousers, shirt open all the way to down here, and he does not have the body for that anymore. And then at the very end, his wife walks out and takes a bow with him. They do a peck on the cheek each. They leave. And then I looked and I was like, that was 45 minutes. That was not the full hour. Encore. Don't think there's not an encore. Then a curtain opens wide. Mural of David Hasselhoff, and he sings a nut. He has this like a, a hit, like Shake Along or something. That was a big hit in Germany. I don't know. And he sings that. The crowd went crazy. Have you ever watched something and it's you? You so don't understand. 
Like a Trump rally. I so don't understand why everyone's pleased, but I can't stop watching. It was like that, only we, it doesn't end in World War III. It ends in me just having more questions about German culture. Like, so guys, David Hasselhoff, a weird obsession with bratwurst, and all of your toilets. If you've ever been to Germany, they have the weirdest toilets I've ever seen. There's a little shelf, so there's no water. There's like a little shelf, and then a pool of water here. And so when you do your dirty, filthy backdoor business, that remains there, and you kind of look at it in the most German way possible, like, look at what you've done. You're a shampoo. And then you press it, and it flushes. And because, because it's Germany, I, I asked. I said, what? what's with the little shelf? And they went, our toilets are better. And I'm like, you can't win. No. It's a bizarre, beautiful country. Now, we really Sorry, when you're 50. It's easier, Pardon me? It's easier to put on the card. It's easier to put on the card? Yeah. For what are you samples. talking For, for samples? <laughs> But you're really learning a lot about your father, aren't you? <laughs> How many stool samples have you had to get? Oh, two. Two? Two. Fifty every two years. Fifty every two years? Yeah. You know, I understand why Scottish people die by sixty. Because if, if I went through that four times, I'd be like, just screw it. I don't want to see. I don't want to see the rest of my life just taking a little card into the toilet. What are you doing, Gary? Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> It's weird. It's weird as you get older, doctors go because I used to hate going to the doctor as a uh, as like a youth, like in my twenties. So I was just like, oh god, I'm gonna get yelled at for bad behavior. But now I'm 32 and I'm starting to really love it. And they're like, you're still healthy. And I was like, ha ha, because I had fried chicken for breakfast. So either you are a negligent medical professional, or I have a metabolism of a dust wonder kid. And uh, what do you do for a living here in Edinburgh? I work in like a supermarket. You work in a supermarket. Which one? Tesco. Tesco. Noble. Smart. That's. Call them favorite sandwiches from Tesco. For it, yeah. What was the list of best to worst sandwich? Because it was astonishing. It was Tesco. What was it? Tesco. Eat. Then it was. Um, I can't remember what the other two was, but I think M&S was the last one. How is M&S the last one? How is Tesco the first one? I, listen. <laughs> bear in mind, everyone. This is the generation that it is supposed to save us. Cullen, are you very excited for when your generation's in charge and we get to all blame you guys for your bad decisions that we clearly made? Yeah. I'm a little nervous if you run for political office because I feel like a lot of my friends will be hunted down by your hit squads. <laughs> See how he's laughing? No, he's not lying at all. It's, 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 it melts in my brain because I, I am a lefty lunatic. Like I was like, what's the matter? You have a cough? Give him a blanket. Make sure the house is free. And this one is literally like, let me tell you. I can sort out Donald Trump in two seconds. You give me a gun and some time, we'll solve that problem in a minute, right? I never said that. Well, but... it was implied. Why are you winking? Yeah. For those of you at home, my brother's winking and making a gun motion. I'm very nervous. Why are you making a gun motion, Colin? Um, so you're an air cadet. Yeah. And they've let you fly a plane. They've let me sit and watch somebody else fly a plane. Already I'm terrified. You, but you, you flew a plane earlier this year, didn't you? I was in a plane while it was flying. What was the thing you flew? Glider. You flew with Glider. This is the problem with the world. He's 14 years old. He can't drive a car. Oh, okay, I can. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, very good to say. Not legally, but yes, that's very That, that is yeah. true. Let me just say the legal aspect of it is very important for us all. Yes. But he lives in a part of uh, Canada called Alberta. Alberta is affectionately referred to as Canada's Texas, 
which it's not. Texas is a very reasonable, nice place, and Alberta smells. And uh, basically, they have a rule in Alberta, because it's very rural for the most part, that at 14 years old, you can drive a car. And I have never wanted to run for public office before. But, I, Colin, I love you with my entire heart. I remember being 14. I was barely able to drive at 16, and yet that was allowed. At 14, I would have just... Let's see how fast this car can go. That's what I was going to say. Exactly right. And by the way, you come from a very dangerous line of drivers. How many car accidents has your mother got into that she's reported? That I was there for? That you were, okay, that you were there for. <laughs> she took the blame oh, for God. No, no, she was trying, listen, uh, his mother is a saint, an amazing human being. When I say one of the worst drivers I've ever heard about, we once were driving in Florida, and she got out of the car to criticize how her sister was driving. Because she literally, her sister turned on the turn signal to turn into a parking space, which you don't really need to do, but is somewhat civil. And his mom was having none of it by that point, and literally just, do you know how to drive? That's not how you drive! And then she like got back in her car and did 60 in a parking lot, donut, and then like Magnum PI'd it into a handicapped spot, cracked her neck, and went, we're there. <laughs> so how many, how many car accidents have you gotten into that you've witnessed? Four. Four. <laughs> Just for point of reference, you, sir, you are, you are, you are fi 52. How many car accidents have you gotten into? Maybe one. Maybe one. How many have you witnessed? Not many. Not no. many? No, no. It's an anomaly. No. Now, what's crazy is my father, who is many things, but patience, certainly not his virtue, but he has one amazing skill, which he's a very steady driver. Now, I was taught to drive by my dad. He took me to a parking lot in rural Chicago, and he taught me to drive for a couple of lessons, and then he sent me back to my mom, and then she taught me how to drive. And that is a dangerous combination, because my mom makes his mom look like a safe driver. Because my mom has not gotten into accidents, because every other driver in the world has been warned about her. <laughs> I have been alive for 32 years. I have never seen her use a turn signal in my life. And I'm talking about snowstorms, highways, heavy traffic. Literally what she does is she just speeds up, and starts coming in, and if people don't adjust, she then revs back into her lane and goes, people don't know how to drive, not looking at the windshield <laughs> at all. Once, and this I think was my favorite ever, is I saw her run a stop sign. She ran a stop sign, and then she stopped on the other side and went, you just have to stop somewhere, and then just kept driving. <laughs> how I am not some sort of stunt driver, I, think, I literally thank God every day that he reasonably sat me down and he went, all right, here are the rules of the road. What that woman tells you, disregard. A yield sign doesn't mean speed up. <laughs> on an on-ramp, you have to respect the flow of traffic, and for the love of God, signal and use your rearview mirror. They're not just there so you can look at them when you're backing out of a parking space to see if someone's put a shopping cart behind your car. The only time I've ever seen her use a rearview mirror. And even more terrifying, she's now decided that she's really good at backing her car up, which she is really good at, because she does it with the speed and vigor that she's about to rob a bank. Her, her driveway is as narrow as that bench. So what would you say that is? Is that like, like maybe a foot? Oh, six feet. That's like, yeah, it's about, yeah, about six yeah. feet. That, that's about the size of yeah. her driveway. Yeah. If you're backing into that, you take it slow. What she does is just pulls up to it, cranks up the Annie Lennox, pops on some sunglasses, <laughs> and revs back into it. And, just, and I've seen people watch her do it. And it's astonishing because she doesn't have any appearances of a speedster driver. She's a very your typical mum in her 60s. Glasses on a chain, raincoat even when it's sunny, 
various bags in the car with hard rock candy and papers and books. And then, yeah, look, see, they're not having an exchange over who's the worst driver. It's very liberating when you just open it up. And it's also very weird and you feel bad because in this modern age there's a lot of stereotypes about women being bad drivers. I don't believe it. I think men and women are equally bad drivers. It's down to the individual. There are some people that don't know what they're doing and they seem to blame it all on the rest of us who are trying to just not die by your hands. Sir, what is a moment that she has done in a car that caused that very fun no, exchange. No, no, it was the fact she's got a raincoat. The fact she's got a raincoat? Yeah, you have, well, listen, I kind of understand that, especially in she's Scotland. She's a bad driver. Is that true? Well, here's the thing with Scotland. You guys do weather in a very fun, hour-by-hour -hour basis. Today it's sunny, now it's rainy. For some reason, windy. One year, it got foggy for 45 minutes, and I thought the apocalypse was about to happen. How are we doing for time? Goodness, we should start the show. <laughs> now, I'm many things. Professional is never something I've been accused of. Oh, where the fuck did I put it? Oh, it's in here somewhere. All right. All right. We're gonna uh, we're gonna end on. This is a story from my youth. Now, some of these stories I'm not telling in front of my brother, so I'm gonna edit them. <laughs> Listen, there's only so he already knows his mom's a bad driver, and he's learned the French of the Satan that he believes them to be. So, no, not doing that one. No, what? No, not happening, buddy. I've already had to answer enough questions. Oh, this is a great one. All right, so, uh, sir, what is your name again? I'm apologies. James. James. James, could you read this out now? What is your name, brother? Greg. Greg, how would you like James to read this out? Oh, like in an accent. In an accent, jumping up and down. <laughs> Uh, maybe like a uh, like a Swedish accent. Ooh, very good, a Swedish accent. <laughs> the burning leaf bag on Halloween. Very good. Now right. we've already brought up my mother of being one of the most errant drivers in the history of Canada. She was also a very stern, law and order parent. Now, what, how were you as a parent? Uh, liberal. Let's ask the son. Liberal at all? Eh. Yeah. <laughs> Of, what was the look you used to give him when he messed up? Oh, uh, I don't know. You, you just showed him the back of Showed him the back of my hand. You never hit him. No, I way. never hit him. <laughs> Again, I feel like that's incredible. <laughs> Did you have a hair at the beginning of today? And then you didn't like the beard and you shit? Anyway, so uh, I, lived in, uh, I lived in the capital of Canada, Ottawa. Now, Ottawa is very interesting because it's a lot of government workers, a lot of people with jobs for life, a lot of sort of spoiledy kids. And then I was just sort of, you know, middle class, but North American middle class as opposed to British middle class, which is the queen somehow. I don't know how it works here. So I was that, which just basically meant you have a house, but the bank mostly owns it. So either that, and then every year in Canada, you rake your leaves into these big paper bags. Now, they, do they still do it? Okay, well, in Ottawa, they changed it to plastic. Because after one Halloween, here's what happened. My entire street was all these paper bags, all the trees had fallen. So what happens is when the tree, the leaves fall, if it's too hot, the trees will stay long, it snaps cold. Instead of it like slowly changing color and being beautiful autumn weather, it just, everything dies and they all fall on the ground and it's really depressing really quickly. And it was one of those years. So there was like 20 leaf bags all over uh, the, um, all over the street. Everyone packed them into leaf bags. Didn't think it was Halloween. So they basically just placed a bunch of kindling on their property and then invited the youth onto the street. Now my mom, I was Cullen's age. Mm -hmm. Cullen's a very well-behaved, 
nice boy. I was the exact same way because I was raised by two people that they would never hit us, but they never let us know they wouldn't hit us. So there was always an, an air of threat. And you see, he and he was the nice one. He had he and my mom had a trump card, which was my crazy grandmother, who makes that one look like a hippie. She was and there is parts, there are elements of people in my family. She died five years ago, and there are people within my family that think she faked her death and will be coming back for one more lecture at any time. And so anytime I messed up, and if it was really bad, my mom would say, no, I've told your grandmother, and she'll be calling soon. And then I would just live in fear of the ringing telephone, and then just a heavy breathing Canadian. John, I heard what you did. Disappointment doesn't even begin. So at 14 years old, my mom saw the group of friends that I was hanging out with and knew that some of them were good, but there were some bad seeds. So my mom, very clearly, went, hey John, instead of tricking you treating this year, I will give you $20 to stay inside because I know that you will end up being with people who are doing no good. I know you won't do no good, but you'll be adjacent, and I don't want that to happen. And uh, I went, yes. By the way, money was never exchanged, by the way. That was a lure trap. And I just ended up having to dress like a witch and give out candy. So I didn't. <laughs> She's smart, by the way. And I brought it up recently. And she went, I paid for university. The $20 went to that. And I was like, oh, you should have said that at the time, woman. So I was there handing out candy. A bunch of hoodlums that I knew from my high school. That some of them were my friends. And I saw them just lurking around the street. And I was like, I think I know what's going to happen. And then like an orchestrated military operation Every leaf bag on the street was gone. And I was like, oh, this is going to be weird. Something is going to happen. And my mom saw the leaf bags were gone too, and she went, I don't like this, John. And I was like, what are you going to do? And she's like, I'm not sure. And then we looked down the street, and they were suddenly piled very, very high, and then just ignited in flame. And my mom just walked into the middle of the street and went, I know who your parents are! <laughs> And she did. She called them right away and guessed it right off the bat because they were all idiots. One of them showed up just holding a bit of leaf bag and his dad went, did you light a leaf bag on fire on Wavell Avenue? And the idiot went, no, I found this to show to you to show that I didn't. He went, you did because they had the address printed on them. Another one was, uh, was found uh, because the police got called because you're not allowed to light leaf bags on fire. The police got called. He was found in a park with four lighters and some kerosene. His reason, by the way, this is, I think, in terms of stupid things to say to the police, uh, I didn't light those leaf bags on fire. I was just selling this kerosene to my friends. This great guy. Now works for the Canadian government, by the way, as a tax man, which really sh makes me shudder. And, uh, and then the last one, uh, my buddy Brooks, he, um, he figured out that it was best to get in front of us, so he ran home. His parents were waiting for him, and he went, here's what happened. I was peer pressured into lighting the leaf bags on fire. I'm really sorry. And then they, and it was the best, they believed him. And then I remember three weeks later, we were at Brooks's house, and his dad came home from work early. Clearly his dad had been mulling this whole thing over, and he went, who peer pressures someone into lighting something on fire? Was that your idea, Brooks? And Brooks, very honest man, went, yes, it was my idea. And he went, well, you're definitely grounded. All of you get out of here. It was a very fun time. Cullen, don't do what I've done. Because, you see, by telling everyone this, our dad now knows, and you won't get away with it, right? Oh, don't underestimate me. Pardon me? Don't underestimate me. Don't underestimate me? You do know this is recorded, and I will play it for your mother. I promise I will. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that is our show. It is free to get in. It is not free uh, to get out. So whatever you'd like to donate. By the way, most shows cost 10 pounds. I'm not saying the show costs 10 pounds, but it does. So give me 10 pounds. I love you all. Have a great rest of your